Thank you, Alicia. I appreciate you leading us in prayer. My name is Scott Hemingway. I'm one of the pastors here. This morning, we just want to say thank you for coming. If you are new here, we want to welcome you. Um, we apologize that maybe you had a hard time trying to find a place to sit. When we're all standing, it's hard to find those empty seats. And, and, uh, and that, but we are so glad that you are here this morning with us. One of the things that we do in our church here is we have what we call community stories. And so I'm going to invite somebody up who is very special to, uh, to our family that we've been able to journey with. And, um, and I'd like you just to welcome Suzanne. So Suzanne, if you'll come. You're welcome. Um, now, some of you, I want to know who, who here has had a baby in, in, during COVID? Who has a COVID baby? Oh, yeah, 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 great. Um, Suzanne is a COVID baby in Christ. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we just want to tell her story. She, I want her to tell her story to you and just start off by uh, introducing yourself a little bit. Suzanne. Well, I uh, have uh, parents that came from Norway and Denmark, and they came over in the 50s. And lo and behold, in Vancouver in 1958, I was born. And I am the oldest of four. I have uh, three other siblings, a brother who lives in the Philippines, two sisters, and I have one daughter. 29 years old, and she lives in Scotland. She's over there for two years working and traveling and experiencing life to the fullest. And uh, as far as my uh, work background in education, I, I'm a plant person. Let's just say that. Plants are my passion, and I went to school for forestry, then horticulture, and then herbal medicine. And I worked, you know, my work life in forestry and in horticulture. And I had no, no uh, upbringing in uh, the church or faith or religion whatsoever. However, having said that, my mom was a really good role model. She had a really big heart. And uh, so I got to see that heart being um, you know, shown in the world, always being there for, you know, friends and neighbors and family. And, uh, yeah, so I guess that's a few facts. That's a few facts. So we're going to speed things up now to about three years ago. And uh, what, uh, as I said, you're this, you're this COVID baby in Christ. What was happening in your life uh, about three years ago that brought you to encounter Jesus? My life three years ago was a train wreck in my relationship. And uh, so three years ago, I ended a 31-year relationship. And it just, yeah, I, I went into the, probably the lowest point of my life. And um, so in that... Um, your things are low. Uh, I think you lose basically all of your friends, your friend groups. Um, yeah, some uh, friends I'd known for 25 years, and uh, 
even some family members. Uh, it was a, a lonely time because not only, you know, had I separated, I was, it was COVID and you couldn't get together with people and couldn't be with people. So right. it, it was like an overwhelming um, loneliness as well. Yeah. But there were some people, a family in your life. Tell us about that. Yes. So uh, at this point, um, I'd just like to share about uh, and introduce uh, my very good neighbors. And if they could please stand, they're right over here. I know, they're a bit embarrassed, but that's okay. <laughs> so, keep standing. You're not out of the woods yet. <laughs> so, this is Adina and Duncan, and their two um, beautiful little children, Zoe and Nelson. And they basically, well... God saved me, I'll tell you that. God, about five years ago, they were sitting here in this church, and the pastor said, hey, is there anyone that you feel that's on your heart that you, that you need to pray for? And both of them individually, my the thought of me came into their mind. They didn't know why, so they prayed for me. And this was before the, the relationship breakup. And then when it did break up, well they exemplified, uh, love thy neighbor as thyself. Because they journeyed with me, and they, as Jenny would say, were in the puddle with me. They gave me a loving and listening ear, and I can tell you that it saved my life. And then when I was at my lowest point, Adina thought, whoa, Suzanne's in trouble. She called New Life, asked them, what they would suggest, and they suggested Alpha. So over the fence one day, literally, you know, like home improvement, you know? <laughs> she said, hey, would you be interested in taking this Alpha course? I didn't have a clue what it was, but I said, sure. So in January of 2021, I took Alpha, and I started to learn about Christianity and what it meant to be a Christian. And I remember in one of those sessions, there was a woman there that, you know, was like me, a Christian, like a newbie, never had any, any faith in her life. And it showed her in a church sitting in the pew, and she took Jesus into her heart. And it was just like, that day I went, yep, that's what I'm doing. And it was just like, I just felt like bawling, and, and it was just like, yeah, this feels right for me. So then Alpha ended. And it was like, whoa, now what? And uh, so I was lucky to have this man right here, Scott, as my leader of the Alpha Course. And I can tell you that this man has the heart of Jesus. And I could go on probably for half an hour just on the contributions that he's made to my life, really. And so he invited me into the house church. And again, it was COVID, so we were on Zoom. And uh, again, I just, it just filled me up with fellowship and love. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm just so happy that God whispered in Adina and Duncan's ears, and not only that, that they obeyed God, and they came to me, which led me here to this place today. So our, our final question is, is how, what difference has made, Jesus made in your life? Okay, how long, how long do we have? 
Uh, my house church in Scott knows I'm a bit of a talker. Okay, okay. So, in reflecting on this, I, I, I think I could have written a book, but I'll try and uh, put it in a nutshell, Scott. Okay, got a okay. couple minutes. That's all. Okay. All right. Okay. Really, Jesus has given me life, filled an emptiness that I had. I had all the worldly trappings of material goods, but I was empty. And it just changed my perspective on life, learning through the church and the word, you know, my house church and the word of God and them sharing. And uh, it gave me hope. Jesus gave me faith. And I learned how to surrender during challenges in my life that I currently have and will have. And it just gives me a peace, like a real peace. And I would have to say that Jesus has been like a light in the darkness to me. And it came to me the other day, like Jesus is like my compass, right? Jesus is my compass, keeping me on the, the path of living God's word. And, you know, it's my prayer to develop the heart of Jesus. Okay, I, I have a little bit more to say. Um, I didn't, I didn't set the timer. <laughs> it's my prayer to develop the heart of Jesus and have understanding and compassion uh, for others so that I also can be a beacon of light like Jesus and others you know, who have suffered in this life, and I know everyone has gone through trials and tribulations. So just, I just want to end, and this is going to be a bit weird, maybe. I, go ahead. I'm, I won't be surprised. I've, we've journeyed with you a long time, so. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to sing, and I don't sing, four little um, lines of a song, and, you know, if you know, the song, you can always join in, but these four little lines really encompassed kind of my journey uh, with Christ up to this point, okay? All right. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me I once was lost and now I'm found was blind but now I see That wasn't fair. <laughs> I normally ask five questions, but I can't do that now. You're off the hook. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you do. Because you are a God who wants to change our lives. You are the God who brings light into darkness. Father, you take us where we are at. 
and you say, come journey with me. And then, Lord, you give us a privilege of journeying with you and with others. And it's been so good to journey with Suzanne, to see what you have done in her life, what you're doing in her life, and, Lord, the anticipation of what is yet to come. We just thank you for her, her love for you, her desire to know you in a deeper and greater way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What a word of just true encouragement. Thank you. If you don't know me, my name is John Jansen, and I am here to share the scripture verse for us today. So if you have your own Bible and you would like to turn there, it's in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, starting in verse 8. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood over them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then, and see this thing that has happened, with which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry, and found their way to Mary and Joseph, and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement, which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you very much, John. If you notice this morning, we didn't do three-ish things, and we talked as a staff, and we thought, no, we don't have anything. We can kind of let that go. However, there are a couple of things that I do want to mention, and they're kind of three-ish things, and they're kind of a little bit have to do with even what we read here, because it talks. I want to talk a little bit about the goodness of God, and and, and you're playing a role in that. Uh, one one thing is, is today, and if you would pray today around one o'clock and and uh, and on, as we take over three thousand dollars worth of of presents that can be purchased for a nominal price to Boyd's Road. Uh, you gave over $3,000. 
plus toys. And your generosity is wonderful. And I just want to celebrate that and say thank you, Lord, for, for that. It's going to, it is going to make a difference in the relationships that we have with folks, right? Yeah, Kim is over there. Like, her head's about ready to fall off. Like, yes, this is great. Um, and then uh, you saw oranges. Uh, we, needed, we needed 500 oranges. I think we exceeded that, uh, which is really, yeah, Michael's over there going, yeah, fantastic, and, and that is good. Um, as well as I got a request. Um, Henry, you're doing a big meal on Saturday. How many people? About 450 people. And we have uh, potatoes that will have been peeled but they need help in the cooking process, the mashing process, and then bringing them over to down to um, the, the Reformed Church where you're going to hold your meal for about 500 people. And, um, and so if that is something that you can help out with, we're probably looking at, I don't know, four people, five people. Um, you could do it in couples, so 12 people, that's great. Because we have three different times we need to bring these potatoes. So if that's something you can do, can you come talk to me uh, today? That's uh, for Saturday. We could really use your help. Good things. These are good problems to have. Fantastic things to have that we can do and serve our community. So that's my three-ish things this morning. Um, I have the privilege this morning to be able to share my message with Isaac. And, um, and I want to just start us off this morning. Is my PowerPoint up? So we, we are um, going through Advent, and with Advent, there are four different themes that we have. And so we've talked already about the, um, the, the peace of the Lord. We've talked about the hope of, of, that is found in Advent, and today we're going to talk about the joy. But with that, the theme that we, that we are going after is this part of light, that the, the light has come into the world. It has come into the darkness. And, and that light is Christ. And so we have our, our theme verse that is up there. And as it says, the one, who is in, is the one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, has come into the world. And with it, he brings with him, because he is hope. He is peace. And this morning, we're going to look at that he is joy. So I, I like, how come this is not working? All right, because it didn't work last week, and it didn't check it out, right, Tom? All right, do my next slide for me. That'd be great. I like this next one. Uh, light brings joy, and you can see somebody is jumping and uh, celebrating, and it's fantastic. But there is also a part of joy that we're going to look at that sometimes when it's not so joyous circumstances, is there still joy? But whenever I read this portion of the story, I can't help but try to picture myself, the, the part that John read, picturing myself as one of those shepherds. And as I'm one of those shepherds out there, I am doing a job of watching over these sheep. 
and I'm just living life normally because I think these shepherds were doing life normally. So whatever your normal life is, all of us have this normal life. You get up and you do what you do on a regular basis. And even if you're retired, and I know there's a few retired people here, you still do something on a regular basis, normal life. And they were doing life normally. And out of that, out of watching these sheep, and I pictured myself at night watching over these sheep, it's dark, and then something extraordinary happens in the ordinary. And that's, that's fantastic. And they have that, we have this line that says that God wants to take the ordinary, that's you, and do some extraordinary things, that's him. So, do you see yourself as ordinary? It's okay. I see myself as ordinary. And I see that God is extraordinary. And he's extravagant. And he wants to do some extraordinary things through you. And that's what he did with the, with the shepherds. He did an extraordinary thing. He, he showed up in the darkness. So it was dark and now it is light. We live in a normal way of life. And do you expect that God's going to show up in your everyday normal lives? I hope so. Because it isn't that we have to hope that God is going to be around us. The fact is, he is around us. And we need to be aware of that. And being conscious of that is so important. I like the part that God never sleeps. He doesn't sleep. He never, he never tires. And I think, what would it be like to be able to go 24-7, never needing a nap? never growing weary, and you A-type personalities are going, yes, bring it on. I would love that. How much could you accomplish if you never had to sleep, if you never grew weary? And that means that God is working at every point and every juncture of our lives and those around us. The part that is hard and difficult is when we are facing difficult times, discouraging times, hard times. His message is one of light. And he is the light. And he's the light that brings hope. He's the light that brings peace. He's a light, as we will discover today, who brings joy. Because as I said before, he is hope. He is peace. He is joy. It isn't what he has to come up with. It's his character. It's his nature. It is who he is. So I want to invite Isaac Burge, our youth intern, to come up and to share his discoveries on joy. Are you ready, brother? More ready. All right. Uh, <laughs> I'm going I'm to pray. Lord, I thank you for what you have done in Isaac's life and what you're doing in his life and the privilege he has to be able to share your word today. Thank you for what you've laid on his heart and may we have ears to hear what you want us to hear today. In Jesus' name, amen.
How about that? How about that? Ah, I'm on. There we go. <laughs> Here, yeah, you don't have to touch my butt. It's okay. <laughs> okay, sweet. Uh, as I was saying, my name is Isaac, and for those of you who don't know, I am the youth intern here, meaning that anything involving youth group or um, youth activities and events, me and Alicia oversee and we organize. And I just want to take that bold step and say that this has been one of my favorite jobs I've ever worked. I've been saying this constantly. This is an amazing job that I get to do. To be fair, uh, this is, I've only had like two other jobs in my life. Um, and one of them was A&W, so. Um, <laughs> but even so, this has been an amazing job. I get to do what I love. I get to hang out with youth. I get to eat snack with them. I get to play games with them. And most importantly, I get to journey alongside them in their walk with Christ. I get to see them give their testimonies. I get to see them get baptized. I get to give them Bibles. I, gotta, I get to be with them on their best days and see how God is working through them. And I also get to be with them on their bad days and see how God is working with them then as well. Um, but today, we are talking about joy. And this passage is a really amazing passage that we just went through. And there are a couple things to note. There are actually probably more than a couple. There's at least 15 to 20 minutes of stuff to note about this passage, I would say. Um, the first being is that this would be so incredible. This would be so amazing, fantastic. Imagine being those shepherds, but it would also be something else. It would be terrifying. Like, it would be so scary. Imagine you're a first century shepherd. You're a Jewish man. Um, you've decided to get together with your buddies, and you have this great idea to get your flocks together in the middle of the night and watch them to make sure that no danger comes, no lions or bears or anything comes to eat them. And so you're just going through your normal life, just chilling in this, in this field, watching these sheep when all of a sudden. Notice the word, it says, suddenly. Not gradually, not like, oh look, it's an angel off in the distance and it's coming towards us. Let's prepare for the angel. No, it was, you are chilling in the field and then all of a sudden, boom, I am an angel of the Lord. Be not afraid. Like, come on, that would be absolutely terrifying. And on top of that, it says that God's glory shone from the angel and surrounded these shepherds. And from other biblical examples that we have in the Bible, every single time that God's glory is shown to people, their automatic reaction is terror is being afraid. Like when Moses encountered God in the burning bush, God's glory shone out from the burning bush and Moses was terrified, but God said, be not afraid. Or when the Israelites were wandering through the desert following this pillar of fire by night, they were terrified, but God said, be not afraid, I'm with you. Or later in Matthew, when Jesus is transfigurized on the mountain, God's glory shines out from Jesus and surrounds his disciples. And they literally fall to their knees in terror. And Jesus had to walk over to them, tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, get up, be not afraid. Every single time humanity comes in contact with God's glory, our immediate knee-jerk reaction is terror. But every single time God says, be not afraid, which 
is a little weird because there's another concept in the Bible called fear of the Lord. See, I, I've been reading through Psalms and Proverbs, and it says that the foundation of wisdom is fear of the Lord. And then I come to like this little oxymoron where it's like, well, am I supposed to not be afraid of God? Am I supposed to fear God? Well, what, what am I supposed to do? And I, I got to reading more, and I got to talking to Scott, and I learned that fear of the Lord does not necessarily mean being afraid of God. See, if you're afraid of something, it means you're afraid that that thing is going to hurt you. That thing is out to get you. But this fear of the Lord is more respect. Like, sometimes we forget the God that we serve. God is huge. He is glorious. He's magnificent. He can wipe out the whole earth with just one word. That is someone worthy of respect, worthy of adoration, worthy of fear in a way. There is this cool reference in, um, cool example in Narnia, actually. Any Narnia fans out there? Yes, yes. I've actually only watched the movies, I'm sorry. But uh, <laughs> there is a uh, cool example where um, Lucy and Eustace, her cousin, are talking, and they're looking at Aslan. And for those of you who don't know Narnia, Aslan, uh, well, Narnia was written by a guy named C.S. Lewis, who was a Christian and loved to base his fiction, his novels, off of Christian foundations. And so Aslan in Narnia represents God. And Lucy and Eustace are looking at Aslan, and Lucy knows Aslan really well. Like, she knows Aslan. They have this relationship. Eustace does not at the time. And Eustace is looking at Aslan and says, Lucy, is he dangerous? And Lucy just smiles at Eustace and says, yes, <laughs> yes, he's dangerous, but he's good. And in the same way, our God, yes, he's dangerous. He's huge, he's glorious, but he's good. And so the angel continues on and says, don't be afraid for I bring you good news. And this good news, it was really good news for these Jewish men. You see, at the time, well, these Jewish men, they, they were Jewish men, so they probably knew the Torah extensively. As boys, they probably maybe even memorized some books of it. Um, and the Jewish people knew that there was this coming Messiah because the prophets had prophesied. You see, these Jews were under the boot of Roman oppression. Uh, but they knew that someone one day is going to come and free them. Some Messiah is going to come. There's going to be a savior. And he's going to come because this prophet told us that this was going to happen. And this was such a joy, such a good news because the angel finally comes and finally says, he's here. And to give you guys some context, they had been waiting 700 years for this Messiah to come. Like, I can, I can barely wait for my new Netflix episode to come out. Imagine, like, waiting 700 years for this Savior, for this Messiah. The angel says, I have brought you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Now, this book that we read right here, this is a historical document, meaning that when we read this, when we look at it, we look at it through the eyes and the minds of the people that wrote it. We look at it through their culture, through their geographical location. We look at it like the people in this book. But 
it's also something else. It's God's word. Meaning it's not just a historical document, it is also an eternal document. And so this has relevance, yes, to the shepherds in the story. Yes, it's a joy for them, but it's also a joy for us. All people, not just the people in that time, but also the people now. Because it says that God's word never fades. So it was a joy for the shepherds because they've been waiting for so long for this Messiah, but it's also a joy for us. Well, why is it a joy for us? I think we are a lot more like the Jewish people in this time than we think. You see, these Jews were waiting to be freed from oppression, physical oppression. Um, But before we knew Christ, we also were waiting to be freed. We also were, in a way, in slavery. You see, before I knew Christ, I was a slave to my own desires. I was a slave to my shame and my guilt and my brokenness. I was a slave to that voice that said, you will never be enough. You are not lovable. I was a slave to that voice that said, just do it one more time and finally you'll be happy. And then once I did, it said you were dirty and no one will ever forgive you. Before we knew Christ, we were all like these Jewish men, not under physical oppression, but on a more spiritual oppression, which I think is far worse. But God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son to save us, not from physical oppression, but from our sin, from our guilt, from our shame, from our brokenness, so that now that voice in our head has lost all power. God sent his one and only son, lived a life that was perfect, and died on your behalf. So that when we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, we may have life and life to the full. We may have this joy in our heart. And this joy that God gives us surpasses all circumstances. All circumstances. In suffering, we may still have joy. Now, I gotta be honest. It's a little ironic that I'm speaking on joy this week. Um, If I'm gonna be honest, my grandmother just passed away last week. And it's been a really hard time for my family. So I have in this one hand, this sorrow and this grief, for I loved my grandmother with my whole heart. And now I can't give her a hug. But on the other hand, I have this deep, deep deep-rooted joy that my grandmother is in the arms of my father after a race well run. Even in the most dire of circumstances, God gives us this, this joy that is so unexplainable. Like, It's so hard to explain. Now, I I don't want to stand up here and tell you guys you should have joy because of this. What we really want to know is how do we have joy? And I've condensed it down to really two things. One is contemplating and meditating on the fact that you are so loved by God. Thinking about what Jesus did for you. That you are God's masterpiece. The second is being with God. We're going through this um, book called The Emotionally Healthy Disciple, which is a really good book. And we're on a chapter that says, be before you do. And it's, it's really a thing we don't normally teach. 
as Christians. We teach everyone to read their Bibles and to go volunteer and to work at youth groups, um, but we don't normally teach to just stop and put down our phones and go and just be with God. And what I have found is that you won't experience true joy until you slow down, stop trying to prove yourself to God, and just be with him. And then you will have true, true joy. So (laughs) that's my little spiel. (laughs) Thank you all for listening. Isaac, thank you so much. Um, It is good. It's good to hear things from a different perspective, an age perspective. It's good. And it's encouraging. Um, I love that part of that we fear not because we have a God who is one who is great and awesome and mighty, and it's a respect. And what good news we have Um, Thank you, Isaac, that we are freed from our spiritual oppression. What a great point. And Isaac, your vulnerability, um, we need that. Thank you. Uh, How do we have joy even when circumstances are difficult? That we first rest on the fact that he loves us so much and then that we can be with him. I want to, I want to just bring one more point to us and, and end our time. And it has to do with how do I see God? And uh, during this time of year, the weather's not great. Um, I've run too much. I can't really run much outside. And so I've been going to the gym. The great part about that is I put a book on and I listen to a book. And I'm listening to a book by Dallas Willard called Divine Conspiracy. It's a very heady book. I listened to chapter three, four times. And I'll probably listen to it the fifth time trying to get it. But... This is what he has said, and I, I think um, it's very, very good. So he says this, central to understanding and proclamation of the Christian gospel today is a revisioning of what God's own life is like and how the physical cosmos fits into it. It is a great and important task to come to terms with what we really think when we think of God. Most hindrances to our faith, of the faith of Christ, actually lie, I believe, in this part of our minds and souls. We should, to begin with, think that God leads a very interesting life and that he is full of joy. Undoubtedly, he is the most joyous being in the universe. I like that. Just rest in that for just a moment. He's the most joyous being in the universe. And why have you paused there is that all that Isaac talks about here, about God, is this. It isn't he's manufacturing joy. He is joy. And then my next slide um, 
that comes up and, and he goes to South Africa and he's there and he's watching the waves and, and, and he's on the ocean. And, and as he, as he sees this, he, this comes to his mind as he's looking at the scenery, he says, gradually there crept into my mind, the realization that God sees this all the time, meaning the, the beauty of his creation. He sees it, experiences it, knows it from every possible point of view, this and billions of other scenes like this. And unlike it in this, and billions of other worlds, great tidal waves of joy must constantly wash through his being. I like that picture too. That, that, that he is enjoying his creation. He is enjoying you. So can I take you back to what Isaac said at the end? Why is it important to be with him? Because being with him, you get to experience the most joyous being in the universe. And we need to stop every once in a while. And stopping sometimes might be the sunrise or as you're driving home this time of year, you can see a sunset and you're just pausing to acknowledge that. I was coming to work the other day, Mount Zuhalem. It was an awesome sight, and awesome because it's way beyond me. The, 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 the uh, fog was coming up over, you've probably seen this before, new to me, I've only been around here for three years. The fog was coming up over Mount Zuhalem, like, like a waterfall over Mount Zuhalem. It was beautiful, and I just, I'm driving, and I'm pausing, and I'm wishing I had a car that could drive itself because I am being distracted by how joyous God must be as he creates this and makes this happen. I want to invite you to be with the most joyous being in all the universe, God himself, and know his joy. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity that Isaac and I have had to be able to express who you are. Father, you are glorious and you have brought news, great news of Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, that you love us. Lord, May we rest in your truth of who you are. You are joy. In the midst of our hard times, as Isaac talks about, Lord, and we're all there at some point, and maybe today, you still are joy. Because we rest in what we do not know, and yet what we do know and we find hope in what is to come. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.